Boop. Ready? Yep. And here we are with another episode of... Avatar, The Last Podcast. Good. I thought I was making sure we both had the same title, and you were there. Perfect. That solves both my problems. Yeah, as I was saying, I'm like, that's the name we <laughs> went with, right? <laughs> it is, yes, it is, and I do enjoy it quite a bit. Good, good. No, same, same. So, um, yeah, we're continuing along with uh, the beginning of Season 1. I think yeah. we're episodes five and six of book well sorry i said season one book one i guess would be the the appropriate yeah it's a, term. it's a weird nomenclature to get used to i keep trying i was talking to a friend of mine about the show this weekend because he's watched it and it was mm-hmm. trying to like yeah like season one well book one of the first series so i guess it's kind of like you have a, each of the books is a season but then you have the two seasons i guess is the way to put it yeah that's it that's I guess uh, season and book I guess is also it can be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. All right. On that lovely note, why don't we start with the first episode summary? I will let you do the reading. Yeah, we can jump right in. Uh, so we're at season. Uh, sorry, season book one, uh, episode five, uh, which is the King of Omashu. And so yes. the the summary is while in Omashu, Ang and the gang accidentally. Ooh, good one. Destroy, accidentally destroy parts of the city on a joyride on the city's mail system. The king of Omashu challenges Aang to three tasks that require creative thinking before allowing Aang and his friends to leave the city. That's it. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty straightforward. I mean, it's not a very complicated, and I think that's one of the bigger issues we're going to have, even writing my notes for this episode. There's just a lot less happening in these episodes, I find. Yeah, I was just looking at the amount of notes I took in the first few episodes compared to this one. And honestly, also uh, episode six, a bit more, but still not a lot. It, it, we're going away from now the exposition and the world building, and now it's like, okay, they're on their journey. They're coming across certain things along the way. And so we're not seeing as much in terms of character development necessarily. Now these are just sort of trials and tribulations they need to go through. Yeah, it kind of follows the, the classic trend of most shows we call Monster of the Week, just sort of a generic, here's a problem to overcome, you overcome it, there's no, I mean, yes, it all dabbles in the overarching story as episode six's ending kind of hints at, Yes. but in general, these are quick episodes, they're standalone, they start quickly, they end quickly, the 22 minutes of the episode is really dedicated to whatever this problem is, with a few laughs along the way, and usually a lesson. Yeah, yeah, these episodes are a little more self-contained, I suppose, uh, from versus versus other ones. But mm-hmm. uh, I would say this episode has some has some things that I like about it. First of all, we see the city of Amashu right away. We're in the Earth Kingdom, and yeah. you just see the Earth Kingdom is the biggest of all four of the, or the Earth Nation, I should say, is the biggest of all four na- uh, of the nations. And you can just see that with Omashu versus the Southern Water Tribe, which is the first place we were in. It, it's huge. It's it actually looks like a, a society. There's a you know there's systems. There's there's monarchies. There's a good amount of people there. Um, you know architecture, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Even so, just the scale of the city. I mean, in the past we've seen small villages with like maybe ten, fifteen homes. Even the bigger uh, wind the uh, the past few episodes we've seen, yeah, the uh, the warriors of uh, Kyoshi, even their town was only maybe like ten or twelve houses. 
This sure. is uh this is a city. This is a huge uh kingdom. Yeah, and this isn't even the biggest city in the Earth Kingdom, as we soon learn. Um, True. But this is definitely a landmark. And right away, of course, we get the flashback that Aang has been here before. Uh, mm-hmm. I almost said in his childhood, but technically he's still a child. But, you know, back before he was frozen in the iceberg, Aang, Aang does have experience there. You get the flashback with his old friend, Boomy. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, a little bit of foreshadowing. Yep. You know, sort of not one of those things. I, you know, obviously, maybe when you're a kid and you're watching that, she's like, oh, flashback, cool. When you learn, like, the tropes of TV, it's like, okay, this isn't being thrown out there for no reason. You know? So, I mean, let's, we'll jump the gun right away. What we learned at the end of the episode is what happened to Boomy. Did you see it coming when you first saw it, or were you actually surprised by this? Uh, oh, I don't remember exactly, but I think, I think in this episode, and I think they intend for you to figure it out before the actual characters do. But... I kind of see that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, if we might spoil it, we find out that the king of, uh, Omashu, Oma- am I getting that right? Omashu, yeah. Down. Yeah, okay. I didn't write it down, I changed pages. The king <laughs> of Omashu is Aang's friend, Boomy, from this flashback. Mm-hmm. And I think the second we see him and see his eyes, I was like, oh, it's him. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is something now you can look back and be like, oh, obviously, but I don't know. I, I don't remember how I felt watching the episode for the first time, first time, but I definitely feel like it's set up that you figure out who it is before the characters do. I, I would um, wonder, like, I would almost want to ask, like, a child who was watching this, like, Saturday, like, you know, after school on a Tuesday or Thursday, whenever it aired, and see if, like, it was, like, a consensus that all the kids were like, yeah, we figured it out, or were there kids who were like, what? It's, like, shocked. Like, I'm kind of intrigued to find out. Yeah. So, um, if any of our listeners are, were children watching this live on air, let us know, question yeah. mark? Even if you're just someone who's watching for the first time, like, who Yeah, knows? like, did you not see it coming? Were you surprised? Or were you like, right away, I got this? Yeah, that's it. Um, other things that I liked in this episode, without going into the, the plot too, too much, um, we get the first sighting of the Cabbage Merchant. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's in it a few times, you know, and he becomes a recurring character, not, not of any particular importance, but just a little fun, a fun thing that you get to sort of see every now and then in, in city scenes. And yeah, it's kind of like... Like, I remember him fondly later on in the series as being a quick aside joke. Like, they're running through a town, he's there, something happens, he yells, my cabbages, we have a good laugh, the scene continues. But in this episode, he is, like, really heavily featured. Yeah, I think he's there at least three or four times. (laughs) But, you know, it's the first time he's there, so maybe it's like, okay, this guy's gonna be a a recurring joke in the rest of the series. Sort of like they already knew that this guy was going to come back, so we're well, going to push him. I think it was more that he was a more. good joke for this episode, and then later that episodes too. they thought it was fun to throw him back in. That's possible you him, too. You have him dealing with the guards when he's entering the town. You have them wrecking his cart in the their little uh, debauchery at the beginning, and then you have him again in the throne room, being like, "Take off all of their heads, one for each head of cabbage that was lost." Yeah, which is which is dark. It is. It Behead is. these children. They ruin some vegetables. um and then we also get to see earthbending in this episode this is i think the first time we see earthbending uh whereas we've we've gotten exposure to the other three 
uh, yeah. elements and their their bending equivalents, and 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 you get to see not only earth bending in general, just through like you know the male system and whatever, mm-hmm. but when Aang and and who we later learn to be Boomy face off, sort of in the final trial, you really see the power of earth bending. Um, yeah. On this, I mean, obviously, all four of the elements and their bending styles have their strengths and are strong in their own rights but um just seeing again the form and the 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 the, the stances and the actual technique behind it behind mm-hmm. all the bending styles and how different they are and what they borrow from in real life that's always cool to see no true this is our first real big view of earth bending in both methods and it really is nice seeing that it is different in a sense um yeah I find it interesting, and it's one of those things I've always brought up, is how airbending and firebending can just be done on a whim, whereas earthbending and waterbending require the element to be in your surrounding. Yeah, we, well, we learned that next episode a little bit. I'm not going to go into it too much. I think we're a little mm-hmm. early, but we learn it especially. Um, but what I like about um, earthbending is, and waterbending to an extent as well, is, is it seems to be a more functional bending, whereas like, Oftentimes, fire bending, even air bending, it's very much used in a fighting um, context. Earth bending, the guys are just using it to sort of do the mail system and, I and even sort like of go the, about their day to day. The way they the, their cell they're put into, there's no door. They just bend open a hole and seal it up perfectly again. That's it. Like it's, like, it's really pretty. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And it's interesting. But um, yeah, not a whole lot of overarching plot development but we get to you know boomy is a character who does like without going into too many spoilers he does come back Mm -hmm. uh later on in the show um he's a very powerful earthbender he's a powerful figure in the earth kingdom obviously being the king of omashu um and he's an interesting dude right he's got a couple of those weird off-color jokes uh you know specifically purple (laughs) yeah (laughs) You know, where, where it's like, let us leave. And he's just like, let us leave? <laughs> and there's a few of those that come in. Yeah, there's another one he makes, too, that I, I love. Like, just bad puns. Like, it kind of sets off his character right away that he's a bit weird. Yeah, and it's, again, it's a little sort of a teaser, right? You know, he's supposed to be like, you gotta open your brain to the possibilities. Mm-hmm. You gotta think a little different. And, you know... In sort of trying to find some aspect of greater value of this episode, I guess it's sort of seeing like, you know, Aang isn't going to come into every single city. He's the avatar. He's going to be treated as a celebrity. He's going to be welcomed. He's going to be heralded. Sometimes he's got to sneak in, which he had to this time, because you don't know how certain people feel about the avatar. You don't really know. And he's going to have to sort of figure his way out and he can't just use his charm and his, his, you know, his airbending. He sometimes has to find his own way out of things. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice little view to give that like, you know, we've, we've now seen different levels of his reception. We've seen towns that like completely appreciated him and thought he was the greatest thing ever towns that, well, I mean, the water tribe at the very beginning were like, you're nothing but trouble. Get out of here. Yep. And then you get to a point now where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen when we walk in here, but we have, I mean, in this case, we find that the only reason they're there is because Aang wanted to go sledding. Yeah. But again, they have business in this town. We don't know how they're going to respond to us. 
That's it. I mean, we, we will eventually see towns that are either completely indifferent or actively against mm-hmm. the Avatar. And eventually, I believe, they, they just start erring on the, on the side of caution and, and just disguise themselves eventually in Aang whenever possible. And, and I guess the other thing that you learn, and this is sort of a throwaway line, where it's when finally Boomy reveals himself to Aang and he says, Aang, you must defeat Fire Lord Ozai. I don't think we learn that until that moment you know fire lord ozai that's the main antagonist of this show you have to yeah. defeat him to bring balance back to the world my name until now actually no it's just the fire lord and even then you don't really sort of hear about him too much he's sort of just like this this ominous presence but it's like mm-hmm. no you have to defeat ozai that's going to be your mission in this series so. no and it does finally set us up our antagonist and give us some more goals and it does hint to the fact there will be a final conflict, which I think is really nice, because it kind of gives a bit of, like, a serious tone to an episode that had a pretty joking side to it. Yeah. I I think it's a good way to sort of say, okay, you know, yeah, we had our fun, but there's there's work that's going to be done. There's still mm-hmm. there's still a point to all of this. And, and, and again, you know, Boomy... Obviously he wants to play a little joke on his friend. I don't think he ever intended them to be in harm's way. Despite, you know, with the rock candy slash creeping crystal yeah, we or find whatever out later it was. It was a, yeah, it was, it was totally harmless. I mean, again, it just it sort of adds to his character of being like, I wanted you to learn a lesson, but not everything's as it seems. Get it? Rock candy? Yeah, that's it. Um, so... Can we then go into the challenges then? Because I feel like, with the exception of the third obvious challenge... The first yeah. two, I, I, had, I had forgotten, so again, not having watched the show in a long time, my no- I have two notes, and the first note was, I feel like the challenges could have done more to teach a lesson or prove a point. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he does make sense that the, the overall theme was looking at things from a different angle, trying a different way, not everything's as it seems. Yeah. But I feel like the first challenge didn't really make me feel that like yes the like oh going the ladder obviously oh diving ahead first obviously like yeah. neither of those seemed like the obvious answer to me and neither one seemed like they were obviously not going to work right like i get like once you know the message looking back like oh thinking outside the box but i mean any of those three solutions like i think the first solution maybe was the obvious one but the second one the diving in and using airbending i think yeah first of all should have worked and second of all i think was outside the box enough. Obviously, the way he finally does do it, using a stalagmite or stalactite, I can never remember which one's which. Or yeah, which I one don't even remember. Used. <laughs> using <laughs> some of the stone to actually throw it through and air bend it through so it went faster and you know, knock the water out of the way. Yeah. was still ingenious, but I don't think really encompassed the point that he was trying to get Aang to realize. No, it seemed like more just he was having fun. He was toying with him yeah. a little bit, um, maybe without putting him into any actual direct danger. True. Um, yeah, I, I guess you're right. At the same, like it didn't it didn't come with any type of grander message. And if someone does feel differently than we do, like please do share your comments. Mm-hmm. Maybe so there's something we're missing. But yeah, I don't think there was any greater narrative purpose to the trials themselves um specifically um yeah it it, it, it was just like hey let's be goofy let's be weird let's uh you know 
let's let's make fun of a, an old friend. Mm-hmm. So our second challenge, which was cut down very, like, it's like the smallest one, and also just a weird, like, I, I think I noticed in animation, the time lapse between these events uh, with the crystal growing on them, how they went from being like, oh, it's like up to their elbows to now they are almost fully covered. Yeah. And at first you might say, like, well, it grows really quickly. But we then see it growing through the next challenge slash the can you figure out my name thing he makes him do. And it's like maybe over the course of like five minutes it's grown like a little bit. How much time was between this first challenge and the second (laughs) challenge? Like, did he like, we're going to break for lunch, go for a nice stroll. It seems like a really large gap. I know you want to make it look like it's urgent, but it just feel like it went from zero to 100 and then slowed the hell down. Such is the uh, difficulty of trying to fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm some, nitpicking. It's just, I'm sorry. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, I'm trying to see if there's any other specific notes I had about, about yeah, this I mean, episode really, itself. That sec- I was going to go into the second puzzle a bit, the whole flopsy thing there. Oh, flopsy. I mean, yeah. again, that one, I feel like, iterates the point a lot better of like not everything's as it seems, and it took him realizing, oh, flopsy isn't a little bunny, but the big creature. But... We don't really have any reason why. I mean, I guess the idea is that everything's flopping around his ears and his tongue, and that's Aang's moment to go, oh, this is Flopsy? Yeah. But it feels like a really, like, weird, like, unless, like, we can assume outside of the scene, we re- he somehow remembers that Boomy had a pet bunny that it must have, or had a thing for giant evil creatures, maybe. But yeah. then that would mean he knew who was Boomy the whole time, and it's like, there's a lot of weird loopholes there. I mean, at the end of the day, this one did iterate the point better of it being a, you know, look at things from a different angle, use your brain, be a mad genius, to quote uh, Boomy. Yeah. It just feels like a really weird, like, it was really quick, it was really fast, there was almost no challenge other than just, like, guessing who it was. No, it's... Better point, bad mission, but again, all of this, I feel like, was just, like, not only a forced writing, but, like, they just needed... A means to an end, which was our final challenge, which was the I really like the choose your opponent, kind of teasing him to be like you can pick anyone, wink. Yeah. And he was like, well, just so happens he picked me. He's ready to go. Yeah, and he is a badass. He is. And he's a hundred and something years old at yeah, the same time. Yeah, let's not time. forget that. This guy's <laughs> over a hundred years old. Like, we can assume yes. he was probably 12 like Aang was at that time. He was mm-hmm. at least 110 plus years old. Yeah, I, I hope I, I'm that fate at 112 years old. I hope I'm alive at yeah, 112 yeah. years old. You know? I like, hope I'm alive <laughs> fit and earthbending at 112. Yeah, that's one day. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, this episode, there's not a whole lot of they're getting from point A to point B. They're in mm-hmm. Omashu the whole time. Um, Ang learns his final opponents. Uh, we see Earthbending. We see Omashu. We meet Boomy. We meet the Cabbage Merchant, I guess. Yeah, I guess <laughs> but, it's important. Uh, I guess. Yeah, again, for an episode that, I mean, I would not classify as a skipping episode, but an episode that definitely is light, that's fine. Yeah, it's far from a classic, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's all right. Well, I do really like Boomy as a character. I I really enjoyed him both as a kid and as a king. Yeah, yeah. Boomy's a a great character. character. I agree. I agree. So, I mean, at least we got to meet him there. Yeah. 
So that does, and again, I'm not surprised this show is going to get a little shorter for us each week because the episodes become a little less talkative, and again, there'll be exceptions. But that does bring us to uh, episode six. Would you mind reading us in? Yes, so episode six is called Imprisoned. So here's the uh, little synopsis. Aang, Katara, and Sokka camp at a small Earth Kingdom town where all the town's earthbenders are arrested by the Fire Nation. Katara accidentally gets an earthbender, Haru, arrested. In her guilt, she she tricks the Fire Nation into arresting her so she can help so she can help to free the Earthbenders from the inside. So, I, I really, again, I feel like as a, in the weird way we're doing two episodes at a time, even if they're not necessarily related, there is still some relationships uh, here. We are continuing our journey through the Earth Kingdom. We are meeting more Earthbenders. Yeah. Um, I actually like this episode a little bit better than the previous one, just in terms of its purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, because not only are we seeing Earthbenders, we're seeing them in relation to the rest of the world. So, you know, the Earth Kingdom is suffering, too, at the hands of the Fire Nation. The, yeah. the, you know, we, and this is also when we, also, we start seeing, like, some themes that are not so kid-friendly. Not kid-friendly in the sense that they're not appropriate, but kid-friendly is that they're not often addressed in kids' shows. Things like, you know, hostile occupation, dictatorship, corruption, yeah. poverty. Uh, um it, even the little scenes like even like you I mean you say it's something hard for kids to you know grasp i feel like the scene they use of the fire nation coming by and saying we've doubled the taxes is just a really easy way to show like oh look they're stealing more money from these poor people that's it i don't think it's hard for kids to grasp them in this context in this context because it's like we already know fire nation bad earth nation mm-hmm. at the very least neutral Fire Nation is mistreating the Earth Nation. Oh, taxes just suddenly they want more money from this poor old lady who already lost her husband and her son is like in risk. Like that's obviously messed up. So I think it's a good way of like, oh, we, we sort of introduce the surrounding concepts in this maybe more um, immature way. Not immature, yeah, but it's, like... It, no, it, it, it makes it easier for someone younger to grasp. But when put into context and when viewing it, with a more mature gaze, we can clearly see what the message was they're trying to get across, and that is how bleak these people have it and how rough this rule is. Yeah. And you also get an idea of the economy. Is like, why did the Fire Nation occupy this town? Well, they need the coal from their mines. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a little bit of a, a parallel for some things we see in the real world. Which, you know, we don't need to get into that too much, but no, no, it's no, sort I of like an idea. No, 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 I fantasy world better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but it's a little idea of, like, occupation and what happens when a, a foreign power comes in and starts imposing their will. This is sort of the, the human side of the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the biggest part. I mean, yes, that's, I think that's interesting that that's how they addressed it and how they brought it up. But obviously the plot here is, you know, uh, they find Haru earthbending, then they go into his city. Uh, and I, I also don't think that the main cast, so Katara, Sokka, Aang, they don't, I don't think they completely understand that the, the nuance of this, this city's or this town's predicament. And they just think, oh, well, you're an earthbender. You should just practice your earthbending. You could be free. Yeah. You could do this. And it takes some time before they realize it. No, and it does lead to a nice moment that uh, we have Haru and Katara having that nice walk together and uh, both 
talking about how they've lost to the Fire Nation, uh, father taken away and a mother killed. Yeah. It, uh, it is a moment with a little bit more of a heavy heart to it, and it really is an emotional beat. It is. It's, but it's again, a nice it's, it, it helps to you know create a connection between the two. It helps to kind of uh, give us a reason why Katara is so wanting to help defeat the Fire Nation and sa- more more so actually to save this group of people to save this boy and to save his father because it's what she wishes she could do for her mother, which unfortunately she couldn't. Yeah, and we get an idea of Katara's sort of personality is that. You know, the idea was just sort of getting get out and Aang and Sokka go to pick her up after she gets uh, she gets arrested for quote unquote earthbending, right? And she's like, No, I'm Very not giving fun. up on these people. I'm staying, I'm I'm sort of delaying our plans, delaying our mission, because these people need our help. And you sort of see the altruism uh a little bit uh, of Katara. Yeah, it is something nice we do get is we we pretty quickly, I mean, I don't think at any point did I expect them to leave without saving everybody, but yeah. that the initial mission was to get and get her and get out, maybe get her and his father, and she's like, no, no, there's people here who need help, they need to be saved, and not even like a, hey, you're the Avatar, you should be doing this, this is her saying, I want to do this, are you with yeah. me? Yeah, exactly. And that's very nice, it shows that we don't it, not everything is the Avatar's job, as much as this kind of is an Avatar-esque mission, in my opinion. This is still just her saying, this is something that I need to do. Either you're helping me, or I'm doing this alone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, again, we meet sort of uh, the warden on the prison ship, and he's sort of, you know, he's a corrupt, just like the rest of the Fire Nation uh, is, yeah. is pictured to be. I don't know if you, you just watched these episodes right before we recorded. Yeah. And Did I have you... now made a new task, by the way, when I'm watching the episodes. To yeah. Start looking up some of the actors in the show, especially. So when you, you recognized you recognize the warden then. <laughs> right away recognize it, had to confirm it, but it is George Takai. It is George Takai. Um I also have done that and it's crazy. Like I said, we did Jason Isaacs with um with Zhao a few mm-hmm. episodes ago. Uh George Takai uh with this warden. And there's another one that I think is coming up soon that that I'm really excited to to talk about. It's like I'm crap. I didn't realize this up until this watch through that I'm doing how now. How many of the voices? Yeah. Yeah. How many of the voices are like actually these well known characters? And that's probably not taking anything away from the regular voice actors of of the regular characters. They probably do have other roles. Well, but... no, that's actually kind of interesting. I looked. Oh up no. Just because I was on IMDb already, so I mean a little aside, real quick. Uh, the voice of Katara is Mae Whitman, who is an actress I thoroughly love. Okay. Um, you might remember her as the evil ex-girlfriend from Scott Pilgrim. She starred in many movies recently and a lot of TV shows, including uh, some of my wife's favorites. Uh, right. She's an actress we both go back to very frequently because she's so good. Um, but then I also notice, and it's one of those weird things, usually on IMDb you see a photo of the actor. Mm-hmm. The voice of Aang, who I have to look up at Zach something, I forget, I'll be very I'm very upset, I can't remember it. Um but there's no photo of this actor on IMDB, rather just a photo of one of his characters from one of the shows. Right. And I'm looking through him, he has like very little other things. He's done like one or two other movies, one or two shows, and for the most part, uh Avatar related content, whether it be the show, the video games. But he doesn't have a huge IMDb. It's like he did this and kind of stopped. Interesting. Well, 
Yeah, uh, looking through um, the voice of Sokka as well, a few more recent things, more live action, but again, not a huge uh, IMDb, a lot of smaller things, and again, the majority of it starts off with the Avatar games and movies and shows. All right, fair. But it is cool when you get, like like I said, Jason Isaacs, uh, mm-hmm. George Takei, and I think a lot of people listening will probably know who it is already, but there there is one other voice actor that I can think of at least off the top of my head who's who's a pretty big name. And yeah, he's I coming can't up think soon. of who it is. I'm really excited now. You've got me. You've got me like, ooh, yeah, edge of my seat. I, who could it be? I uh, I won't tell you now. You you'll you'll figure it out um, either when you hear him talk or when you look it up after. Um, I appreciate you letting me have that moment. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to spoil it for you. But Keeping other me people spoiler gonna... free for the podcast where I'm talking about my knowledge of this show I love. <laughs> but, but yeah, so um, I also like what this episode is sort of like a semi-turning point. It's the first big loss for the Fire Nation that we see. I think often the Fire Nation, besides like Zuko and his, his crew mm-hmm. sort of getting beaten up by Aang a little bit, but like this is a, this is a strategic loss for the fire nation and they've been built up up until now as as the antagonist they're they're overtaking everyone they're in they're in charge they're in power they're looking unbeatable and then suddenly all the earthbenders on their ship have been freed and they're back to their cities and they're it seems at least they're rejoining the fight yeah so this episode did um a few things i wanted to bring up this episode were just that first shot Mm -hmm. of this uh, shipyard prison thing is incredibly well designed and is so dark and menacing. Yes, with all the coal. Like, uh, sorry, with all the steel and the like even the even like the paint the sky that like dark red color with like clouds. The ocean looks black, not blue. Like they do a really good job of making this place seem like a dark, unforgiving scape. Yeah. Yeah. See, you're you're always better at noticing the actual art design and the. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Like I, I'm looking for the for the plot and stuff, but I'm glad that you're there because I, <laughs> uh, to to sort of notice the more aesthetic stuff because I don't even think about it. <laughs> oh, I love I love looking for that kind of stuff. I find it such a beautiful storytelling when like just the image of a place can tell you right away like, oh yeah, you don't want to go there. You don't want to mess with it. Absolutely. I always make a note like, oh, pay attention to this more. And then when it comes time to watch the episodes, I'm so enveloped in the plot device and the characterization mm-hmm. and all that but i'm glad you're there to keep track of it all because well, i will do I, my best from here on out to make sure that's my goal yes um, yeah that's yeah great. no I, I feel so again i feel like with the actual plot on this 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 prison essentially um again it's we, we right away katara's attempt to give him the speech to kind of rile them up to like go fight to go make a comeback and then the obvious, like, how? We don't have any Earth-to-Earth bend. Yeah. Again, I think this is one of those little two-part things. Like, I love that speech. I love how good it is. I love how they do eventually resolve that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're telling me in the last five years, not a single one of these Earthbenders has realized, hey, we're sitting on a ton of coal? I think maybe they have. I mean, obviously, it's all speculation into backstory and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. like, how do, you, how do you get there if you're all on this deck? being watched 24 7 true i guess if it's like it's you can't get down there it's too difficult or it's too far to earth bend it up kind of thing i mean like i guess you can always kind of explain it away but it's one of those things where it's like you figure at some point they would have been close enough to the coal to interact with it and steal some of it or move it around in a way or start hoarding it in some place like 
Possibly. I guess I guess the idea is more to show that like there really is a level of like subservience. They've realized they're defeated and there's no point, and they're just I, doing their best to survive. I would agree with that. I think I think well, there's two parts to what I would say is that yes, I think their spirit is clearly a little bit broken at the beginning, as we see when Katara tries to make her big speech mm-hmm. and they're just sort of not listening. I think you know it, it's a it's a parallel to actual prisons, you know, where where yeah. you're meant to be dehumanized and you're meant to be stripped of all personality humanity individuality and you're just sort of this this figure and i don't want to get too much into that that's you know we're still talking about children's tv show but they're just they're defeated they're they're tired they want to it's it's like what um i don't know if we ever learned his name or if we did i don't remember but what haru's father said it's like our goal is not to fight back our goal is to survive right now and hopefully some of us will see us being freed no, I believe his name was Tyro. I, I, again, I was looking yes. the voices up, so the name came up at some point. He should yes. introduce him. I, mean, I, I didn't remember him it. To Katara, yeah. But now that you mention it, yes, I believe I believe Tyro is the correct. And so, yeah. So what he says is, like, yeah, we just we need to survive. We we're not here to overthrow anyone. We just want to make it to a point where we could potentially see our families again. Yeah, Maybe. and I think that's very logical. It's very. It's the same way. I mean, like I, I, to make a comparison you made earlier. You don't see prisoners rioting every time they want to get out because they want to get back home. They do. They follow their orders because they know if they're good, they may get out eventually. Exactly. It's it's you know it's the long game. Um, mm-hmm. And then the same time is even if they did want to, uh, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of 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 this uh, of this recording. Whereas with Earthbenders, you need the coal to be there in front of you or nearby enough i don't know what the the bluetooth distance is with bending <laughs> and stuff um i don't think that's ever been like totally established whereas with a firebender generally they can conduct fire out of nowhere From the atmosphere yeah i guess or, if the air is too moist maybe not i think we dabble with that at some point when we're fighting we dabble with benders. that we dabble with that in cora and and we also learned that firebenders derive their power from the sun Right, obviously the big ball of fire. But we yes, also yes, see yes. it a bit in, in The Legend of Korra, and we see it a bit here and there. But in general, in a vacuum, a firebender can, can create fire without actually having a fire source near them. True, which does put them at a great advantage in a combat sense. Yeah, and obviously they're ready, they're trained, they're in armor, they're this, they're that, maybe, you know. No, they're, they're truly an advantage here. I mean, at the end of the day, even if the numbers are on the Earthbender side, they're definitely at a disadvantage skill-wise, weapon-wise, and equipment. Yeah, and I, I think it's, you know, obviously I'm going to go on a tangent just because I know this is a bit of a shorter episode, but I think it also shows that, like, the different elements and the different kingdoms in relation to their elements have different personalities, right you know you have ang the airbender who's more peace let's get along let's sort of flow do all this do all that and you have the waterbenders who are maybe you know help each other help our you know help families help friends earthbenders seem to be a lot more pragmatic and practical Hmm. and it's like we just need to survive whereas firebenders again it's emotional it's it's passion it's you know, maybe reacting versus analyzing. Maybe with Iroh being the very notable exception, but we also learned that Iroh has learned a lot and studied a lot of the other nations. So he's more of the exception to the rule. And who knows? Maybe I'm I'm going off of nowhere here, but that, at no, least that's what I'm seeing a, early on. 
No, it's definitely there. I mean, like, I feel like, yeah, there's a big draw between each of, the, not even necessarily the benders, but just the nation they live in. Like, even the non-benders in the Earth nation tend to have that more stoic, pragmatic, you know, like, a style of living that has become accustomed to their yeah. people. Almost like how, that's like a cultural divide that just happens to be tied to the bending. No, I agree. I think I think bending or not, I think it's just the way that people in those kingdoms are raised mm-hmm. and how they surround themselves and what they see. Uh, you know, so it is like, sir, you get to see all sort of the cultural differences and the cultural upbringings. It's interesting. It's interesting how even subtly, it's not like they outwardly say, well, earthbenders are more pragmatic because, you know, they're more in tune with the earth and and this and that but it's just you sort of see it a little bit and how they react and and i i really like the world building that's just done around this show in general yeah they they genuinely show don't tell um yes so again to to kind of continue on we obviously have the moment they gather up all the coal they're able to uh give that speech again they again don't want to react right away and then it's Haru who finally steps forward, seeing Katara, who he's had this bond with over the fact that she has lost her mother because she couldn't fight back, and here he has a chance to fight back. Why is he not stepping up? And we get a Earthbender firebender battle, and the Earthbenders win. It's beautiful. Yeah. No, it's 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 wonderful. Uh, they they send uh, George Takei overboard. He can't swim, so it's <laughs> sort laugh. of implied that he. He's died. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, he, cowards float, as uh, Tyro said. Oh, yes. Yes, luckily, <laughs> cowards float. And then the Earthbenders, uh, Tyro gives his big speech, let's go take back all of our villages and yeah. fight back. And it's sort of like the awakening of the Earth Kingdom a little bit. Uh, maybe a microcosm for that, because the Earth Kingdom, again, is so, so big. But, you know, it starts in the small folk. And it starts mm-hmm. in these small villages, not in the Omashus or, or in the Bossing Seis. It starts sort of in a grassroots thing. And maybe with the Avatar coming back, you're starting to see these people feel a little more empowered, feel a little more confident. There's hope. There's hope, exactly. Um, and then I like how the episode ends because Katara lost her necklace. And um, we then see Zuko picking it up on this base, seeing that they've been defeated, and not just defeated by anybody, but defeated by the Avatar yep. and his cronies. And we actually don't see Zuko at all in these two episodes, except in that moment. Yeah, um, again, a nice reminder that he's still out there, he's on a mission, he's closing in, even. He's fine, he's, he's following them. Yeah. But he doesn't yeah. have to be a part of every single episode. He doesn't. And, and yes, as much as right now he's the primary antagonist to Aang and his friends. In these episodes, right, you have the warden and, and sort of the Fire Nation captors being mm-hmm. the antagonist. And, and the episode before that, I guess Boomy sort of acts as the antagonist in that regard. Um, yeah. And then you just have the reminder that Zuko's there, that necklace is there, he's, he's still on their tail, and he's still very present. Um, and maybe that's why we don't get as much plot development is that Zuko isn't there and it's really just Aang and his friends figuring things out on their own. Yeah. Um, and I do want to kind of bring up here, this is, I remember, I, I remember very clearly watching this episode during my first viewing, which again, like I said, it was a lot longer ago, but it was even at this point that I was 
like screaming at the TV as a kid. Metal is Earth. Oh God, yeah. That's, like it was uh... even even this far back, I was making that realization. It's like if you can call a mineral like coal Earth, why can't you call a mineral like iron Earth? Like, what is the difference? Why can't you? That is some and foreshadowing. Again, we we definitely get there eventually, and even when we get there, they kind of do explain it a little bit they do and i think that's important uh on a kid's show yeah like they don't just go like magically someone learned to be better at this and i feel like we get it a bit more even with the fire bending when we meet uh some characters later on with some other specific skills that zuko is envious of the mastery of an element to the point where it almost transforms yes if you're following well, them foreshadowing i am I am. Good. Um, good. I was. I'm not surprised. You're good at this. <laughs> well, you know, you've passed my test. Got. I got to put my English degree to some use. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, school. Yes. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think I had much else to. No, that was my one grape I wanted to bring up. But I. I do like where this episode ends us. I do like that we're. I feel like we do later on in the season, if not series, we kind of get moments where we kind of like look back on places they've been and how those places have changed because of their arrival. And this is one of those places you know, even before they bring that up, that this town is, we can assume, going to take itself back, going to kick the Fire Nation out, is going to do better and be safer, and they're going to turn around and say thank you to our saviors, which idyllically is the Avatar. Yeah. You know, we're seeing and, the Avatar leave his leave his mark across this place, and as much as he might make a mess in some places, Omashu with the mail system, ultimately he's reminding the world that they can all work together and fight back. Exactly. I don't know if we ever go back to this specific village. In fact, I don't think we do. No, but, we but there's do. definitely a few that we go back to, like just sort of in like flashbacks or like cutaways. Exactly. And I, I believe I don't know if we meet Haru and Tyro, but I know we at least see Haru again uh, later on in the series. We do, yes. I, I, I'm, I, I couldn't remember if we did or not. I'm pretty sure we do. We do. Haru, definitely. Tyro, I think so. I, I think so. It's been so long, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I know. We, we get a lot of that, like, recurring characters as, like, a, hey, I'm still here. And I've always felt the 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 essence of that is the we're here to help you because you helped us. Exactly. And ultimately, and one of those lessons we learn is the power of the Avatar isn't just having all four elements, it's bringing people together. That's right. And, um, you know, I know as much as these two episodes were not as plot-heavy, I'm just looking ahead, and the next episode, or the next recording that we're going to do is going to cover a two-part episode. Well, yeah, again, uh, I, I, did, I read the titles, I didn't read the description, so I don't recall them very well, so I'm looking forward to watching those later. I, I have some recollection of them, but I imagine if it's a two-parter, it's going to be a little more plot-heavy, so we're going to get into a bit more of a meaty episode next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so, some meat on my episodes. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So for those who are listening, thank you very much for bearing with us. Not yes, every episode is going to be super, super like interesting in, in, in regards to the greater plot, there's still fun episodes to watch for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and they all do have a part to play in the grander scheme. And we'll try to bring things to the table like, you know, the cool voice actors or some other random facts about the episode when they are later episodes sort of fill the time in and at least make your listening worth it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, some things to fill fill the gaps, but I think now we're actually at a pretty uh, pretty solid time here. Mhm. No, with that, I think we will do our sign-offs. We've watched two more good episodes. We have two more good of a two-parter ahead of us. I'm excited. I can't remember what it is at all. I'm looking forward to it. But no, it'll be good. To our listeners, thank you again for listening. Yes, uh, thank if you. If you want to get a hold of us or find us on the internets, you can. I am at BoxlessThought on Twitter. I am at at RyanW on Twitter. And uh, we'll always be happy to hear from you if you want to share something we may have overlooked or have a counterpoint or a point you want to bring up that is relevant. We'd love to share it in our next episode. Uh, Again, we're still doing a lot of recording pre-releasing, so there'll be a lot of backlog. So if you do email us and you're like, it's been three episodes and I haven't heard my comment, they're not listening. Yeah, that's normal. We're just really, really behind. Time travel. Exactly. So don't be surprised if, if you let's say you have an issue with something we said in this episode and then it only gets addressed three episodes down the line we've we've we got a few of these in the bank because we learned some lessons from our previous project yes yes we have we have so you know we hear you we see you we acknowledge you we will get back to you and we hope you had a great time listening and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day or night or whatever it is you're having. Either or. Or both. Or all of them. Or all of them. Yes. Good night. Goodbye. Good night. Good day.